Please turn your Bibles or pew Bibles to the 22nd Psalm, and even though the primary focus will be upon verse 1, I would like to read the entirety of the psalm. Let us briefly pray before reading the 22nd Psalm. Our Father, we ask that the promised Holy Spirit will be now at work through the proclamation of your word, that hearts will be open to receiving this wondrous truth regarding the death of Christ for our sins, that your people will be deepened in our understanding of the truth as it is in Jesus, and that those among us who do not know you would leave with saving faith granted to them by the Spirit of God, embracing Jesus Christ, the Savior of sinners, where we ask it for his glory and in his name. Amen. The 22nd Psalm, this is the Word of God. To the choir master, according to the doe of the dawn, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? O my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me, they make mouths at me, they wag their heads He trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel. 
For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. All will recognize in this first verse, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The sorrowful cry of our Lord Jesus Christ as he suffered and bled and died for sinners on the cross. He was quoting this scripture, Psalm 22, verse 1, as he hung upon the cross. Now, there are many wondrous descriptions of the crucifixion of Jesus in scripture. In the Old Testament, we think of Isaiah 53. Coming to the New Testament, all of the Gospels tell us of the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. But surely, there is no description like Psalm 22. Isaiah 53 describes Christ as seen through the prophetic eye of Isaiah. The the psalmist, the psalmist, unlike even what we find in the Gospels, speaks from the perspective of the one who hung there and bled for us. This is Jesus Christ in Psalm 22, telling us of his own death from the cross by prophecy before it happens. Jesus is speaking to you and me in the psalm as he would hang there and bleed and die and what he would see at his feet below as he suffers for his people. It is a remarkable prophecy of Scripture. The entire psalm is a remarkable prophecy. That's the first thing I want you to see. So that we may put the first verse in context, the entire psalm is a remarkable prophecy. It describes the circumstances surrounding the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. The desolate cry in verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The contrast of light and darkness in verse 2, a possible reference to Gethsemane, but more likely to the darkness that shrouded the Savior when he bled upon the cross. The contempt of the crowd that reproached him in verses 6 through 8. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Or again in verses 12 and 13. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like ravening and roaring lion. He looks down. He sees as those who accuse him kick up the dust like bulls. And in anger like lions roar against him. 
The hatred of the human race against the Son of God was seen by him as he hung upon the cross, surely confirming that great old statement of one old preacher that the case for the total depravity of man is Jesus Christ hanging on a cross and all men not loving him. We also see the casting of lots for his garments in verse 18, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. He looks from the cross, he looks down below, and he sees this crap game at the foot of the cross, at the foot of the Holy Son of God, this gambling for his garments, the circumstances surrounding the cross. But also the psalm describes the crucifixion itself. Now remember that the crucifixion is a Roman method of death and torture. It was not Jewish, and yet it is described in this ancient Hebrew psalm in great detail. His bones were out of joint. In verse 14, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. His hands and his arms and his shoulder and the excruciating suffering of the Son of God In verse 14, when he says, My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. His heart that is affected by the torture is exhaustion. And even his dehydration in verse 15, My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. His hands and feet, according to verse 16, They have pierced my hands and my feet. And there he is, the Holy Son of God, exposed to nakedness and shame. Verse 17, I count all my bones, they stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. This is the greatest description of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1,000 years before Jesus went to the cross to suffer for his people, he describes through David the prophet by divine inspiration his own suffering and death upon the tree. Acts 2.30 says, Being therefore a prophet, David foresaw and spoke of the Christ. And this he does in this 22nd Psalm. How I would like this morning to take the time to expound the entire psalm, but that sets the context of the second thing we want to see, which is the Savior's cry of abandonment on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning, or the word can be roaring? In pain and agony, he cried out, why? What was this cry of dereliction, of abandonment? Well, first, my friends, it was a cry of obedience, was it not? Did not our Lord Jesus Christ say, Lo, in the volume it is written of me, I come to do thy will, O my God? He came to obey the law of God because you and I are lawbreakers. He came to pay the penalty and debt of sin because we owed an infinite debt that we could never have paid. The wages of sin is death. He takes the wrath of God for enemies, for those who hated him, who did not love him. 
And he is obedient unto death, even death on a cross for disobedient sinners. Note it down. God has never set aside his holy and righteous law. That law had to be obeyed. That penalty of the broken law had to be paid. And that is why he came. His cry, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me from the cross? Is a cry of utter and complete obedience to the Father. But it also is a cry of anguish. This should be clear. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The physical sufferings of our Savior should never be minimized. But he also suffered from the hands of those that later he would save. Those who had cried, crucify him, crucify him. And on the day of Pentecost, he saves 3,000 of those who had undoubtedly joined in with the crowd, crying for his death. But the suffering is greater than his physical suffering, or even the emotional stress of knowing that those for whom he dies are those who should have believed. But here we find the intense suffering of the Savior who is forsaken by his Father. Here we see an infinite suffering. I don't understand infinity, do you? I don't understand the word infinite, do you? Infinity applied to space is omnipresence. God is everywhere present, but I don't understand that, do you? Infinity applied to time is eternality. God is the creator of time. He dwells in eternity. He is timeless. I don't understand that, do you? And yet here we have the infinite Son of God, the second person of the Trinity who became man, hanging and bleeding upon a cross for sinners like you and like me. His infinite nature giving to his finite sufferings infinite value so that every one of your sins could be forgiven and all of the debt, all of the debt could be pardoned. It is the cry of anguish because the Savior knows here the infinite punishment of God against the sins of sinners. It pleased the Lord to bruise him, putting him to grief. And God brought three hours of darkness over him because that darkness is judgment. Have you never read in the prophets that the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, is a day of darkness and gloom? Jesus Christ on the cross goes to the judgment seat for you and for me when he hangs upon the cross. And there as he hangs, he is veiling his son in his infinite agony from the sight of men. As the father's smile is removed and he is deprived of fellowship with his father. It is a cry of anguish as the infinitely holy son of God cries in anguish, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And it is a cry of trust, is it not? Though he cried out as he descended into hell on the cross for our sins, he did not cry out, God, why have you forsaken me? But he cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He cries out in utter confidence and trust. He believes what is contrary to the evidence that God is still his God even though he is judicially forsaken of his father. 
so that you and I, people of God, when we also are confronted with providences that are so mysterious that it seems, seems to contradict what we know of God's goodness and grace and mercy to us, we also may cry out, my God, because your Savior cried out, my God. It was a cry of trust. But never forget that this cry of Jesus upon a cross and his abandonment by the Father was a cry of substitution. My friends, even last night I discovered that yet another book has come out onto the market by by a supposed evangelical denying the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. And I must tell you, I was not only saddened and grieved, I was angry. Angry that Jesus our Savior would be so dishonored by those calling themselves believers in the Word of God. No, as He hung there, He hung in my place. In my place condemned He stood, sealed my pardon with His blood. Hallelujah! What a Savior! He cried out in anguish that I might not, that you might not cry out in anguish. He descended into hell that you might not go to hell. He bore your sin that you might be declared righteous in Him. He died as your substitute on the cross. So that Paul the Apostle says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Oh yes, people of God, here we find a cry of obedience, a cry of anguish, a cry of trust, A cry of substitution, but also the 22nd Psalm would have us to know and remember that the cry of a forsaken Savior was also a cry of victory. You know, these Psalms, 22, 23, 24, have often been described by people as a trilogy. Here in Psalm 22, we have the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. In the 23rd Psalm, we have the good shepherd who feeds and cares for his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And in the 24th Psalm, the chief shepherd shows himself to be the king and ruler of his people, who brings all, all to the end for his glory and for our good. But in this Psalm, around verse 22, there's a shift from the emphasis upon crucifixion to resurrection. And the result of his sacrifice, as we read it in verse 27, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of nations shall worship before you. So that the missionary endeavor of the church to preach the gospel that all might hear will be successful and God will accomplish his purpose and Christ's own purchased by his blood will be saved. More of this glorious result of the cross on Easter. For now, let's thirdly ask the question, why? Why did our Savior cry this cry of abandonment upon the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, he knew the answer as he cried out. The Lord Jesus could have said to you, 
I cry out in anguish because in eternity past, God the Father had chosen the people, and he had said to me, the Son, will you die for those people? And the Son said, I will come, Father. I will shed my blood for them, Father. I will redeem my people, Father. I will be certain that they are secured and saved for time and for eternity. I will sign that covenant of grace in the red ink of my own shed blood. Not one of them will perish. All that the Father giveth unto me shall come unto me. He saves his own. He saves his people. And the Father anointed him for this mission as the Father said to him, Enter into my wrath. This was determined in God's decree from before the foundations of this world were laid. But the psalm actually gives us the crucial reason for this cry of abandonment. Why did our Savior cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We are told the answer early on in the psalm in the third verse. Yet you are holy. Yet you are holy. That's why he cried out. That's why the cross. That's why redemption. That's why substitutionary atonement. That's why Christ in my place, standing, taking the wrath of God that I deserve to pay, because God is holy. Because he is absolutely righteous. Because there is only one way that sinners such as you and me can be saved. If we are to be saved from the wrath of a holy God, then someone must pay the debt for us. And this Jesus did, satisfying the wrath of God against our sin. It was a propitiation through his blood, a satisfaction of the infinitely righteous and holy, holy nature of the law of God. Do you see that? Do you understand what sin deserves? Do you see that God is infinitely holy and that the only way you could be redeemed was through a sinless substitute in your place and only the second person of the Trinity could be that substitute? Oh, my friends, ultimately, he cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he would glorify his Father. Because he would demonstrate God's holiness. He would show to all the world his righteousness. He would demonstrate his love. He would show his mercy. He would hold up there on the cross himself as a diamond and many facets showing all of the virtues and beauties and attributes and characteristics of our infinitely holy and just and merciful and loving God. That's why he cried out so that we might know we are saved by grace And so that we might know we are saved by grace only when justice is met by the shedding of blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. I move to the depths of my soul to consider what Christ did for me. Are you? William Grimshaw, one of the leaders of the evangelical awakening in Britain in the 18th century, said, When I die... I shall then have my greatest grief and my greatest joy. 
My greatest grief that I have done so little for Jesus. And my greatest joy that Jesus has done so much for me. Now, believer, member of this congregation, we come to the Lord's table again this coming Lord's Day on Easter Sunday morning. And as we take the bread and the cup, will you be reminded, first of all, how infinitely awful sin is, how infinitely horrible, despicable, in the eye of a holy and righteous God, my sin is. And will you also be reminded how complete is your forgiveness because behind your forgiveness is an absolutely perfect, final, once for all, complete atonement and redemption from sin. So we begin in this psalm, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus upon the cross. But notice the last words of the psalm. He has done it. This is the psalmist saying, It is finished. It is complete. It is done. Nothing more is to be added. No work of your own. No merit of your own. You have none. Jesus did it all. It is finished. And if that is the case, then how powerful are our obligations to the God of sovereign free grace who has thus so saved and loved us through the shedding of Jesus' blood. How deep are our obligations. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. I belong to Him. And that is true of every believer in this room. So that true conversion cannot be hidden. And we should be active and we should be diligent in the spread of the good news of Jesus Christ. But believer, I want to remind you of one other thing. I want to remind you also as you come and you take that bread and cup on this coming Lord's Day, as you remember Christ's death and also His resurrection from the dead, will you also remember that He will never forsake you? Never. That there has only been one time in which He has forsaken, and that is when He forsook His own Son in your place because your sin was imputed to His account and because His righteousness, His perfect record has been imputed to your account, God sees you engraced in the Son, in union with Christ, in all of His beauties, in all of His perfections, in all of His righteousness. You will never be forsaken because He was forsaken. And that is why Christ cries out on the cross from this text, I am a worm and no man. As God looks upon me and all he sees is sin. All he sees is is sin to be punished by his holiness and righteousness. I am so crushed by it all under the weight of the infinite wrath of almighty God. I am a worm and no man. Infinite justice is satisfied and he feels it all within his body and within his soul and within all of his emotions. And there is only one death like that, only one. And so come to the table of the Lord in gratitude that it is finished. Unbeliever who may be also gathered here this morning, let me be plain with you. 
How hopeless you are without this son who cried out in agony from the cross in the place of sinners. How completely and utterly hopeless there is no pardon except through Jesus' blood. Who can stand where he stood? Could you? Who can stand where he stood? You cannot merit the divine favor. He did. You cannot bear up under the divine wrath. He did. If the divine wrath came upon you, it would sink you into hell for eternity. Come to Jesus. Come to him. Embrace him as your Lord and Savior. Trust in Christ so that your guilt might be wiped clean by his shed blood on the cross. Christ was born to do one thing. He was born to redeem us sinners from our sins. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. What a Savior. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. What a Savior. What a Savior. And so you ask me, must he bear the cross alone? And the text of Scripture answers, yes. He must bear the cross alone. Alone. All alone. Completely alone. Totally alone. And there is only one death like that. The righteous dying for the unrighteous, the just for the unjust, the truly godly for the ungodly. What a Savior. People of God, as we look toward Easter morning, behind it is the cross. What a Savior. What a Savior. What? What a Savior to redeem us from our awful load of guilt and sin and depravity. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should never perish, but have everlasting life. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.